Yeah, so guys, uh, we've got, I'm going to give it about four minutes to get through all of the news of the week. What do we got? Uh, impeachment. Go, somebody. Uh, he's still committing felonies. Uh-huh. And that's not good. Let's talk about the real news of the week. Elizabeth Warren's steamy affair. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about uh, Jacob Wall last week, and uh, of course he outdid us before the episode came out. Oh. This is our new uh, weekly topic, Wall Updates. <laughs> wall, wall Watch. Wall Street, yeah, wall, wall Street wa- Podcast. Wa- watchers on the Wall. We're going to get another podcast going. <laughs> watchers on the Wall. <laughs> That's what the is that dude's deal? Like, I really he's don't a, understand what his shtick is. A, he is his Andy dad Hoffman created an insane child. Yeah, he's a fucking malignant narcissist, and he's following the Laurel Loomer model of, like, the more outrageous I can be, the more I'll be in the you know the public eye. But he's also I think he's like a Nathan for you character or something. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once this kid peaks, he's gonna blow his brains yeah. out, though, right? No, never. No, he's gonna. He's no, gonna that's not the narcissist way. He's gonna he's disappear like, like Andy Kaufman. He he he'll have been here for a few years, giving us this most amazing like uh like real life improv comedy, and then he'll just disappear. God bless I don't him. know. He's a cockroach. He's gonna find a way. <laughs> he's he's eternal. But like nobody wants to touch him at this point because he's obviously so fucking stupid. Someone arrest him! No, I think <laughs> someone. I think Fox News needs to give him his own like show or something. It's, I thought he was a part. Oh, that'd of Fox be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, Fox Nation. Oh my god! Have your people call Make him. Right? Imagine. All right, we're at almost he... we're at almost two minutes. I gotta I gotta change topics. Uh, Amber Geiger. Got uh, sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder of uh, Botham John. Uh, to totally fair. You take somebody's life 10 years, that's fine. To put that's this a fair, fair shake. It, does, it seems low. I think the weirdest part is like how his family's like, all like, we like, just like, wants to be best friends with this lady. It's, it's not so weird. They want to be best friends. Is they're very strong in their Christian beliefs of forgiving, so. Right. But um, to say, to. To mar- remark on her sentence, it's the Central Park Five who were wrongly convicted of a false rape, who was also endorsed by the President of the United States to be put to death, spent more time in jail or prison right. than Amber Geiger would for straight for straight up murder. Yeah, it's a it's a waggy story, but I mean, at least she got convicted. You know, it could have been it could have been worse. At least she they didn't. didn't. Yeah, well, you never know. Well, yeah, I mean, when they when they introduced that thing, you know, when the judge said it was okay for them to bring up the castle defense, it's like, oh, okay, yep. so basically the legal system is saying that um, as long as somebody reasonably thinks they're in their own house, then the castle doctrine applies, which uh, I don't know. That's, you know, I'm no lawyer, but it does seem like that could be, you know, stretched to absurd limits. Oh, God, what a frustrating story. <laughs> Just every aspect. I also like how they introduced text messages saying proving she was a racist fuck. Alright everybody, that's all the uh, that's all the news that you get for this week because it is our first episode of Spooktober. Let's go out woo! episode of the liquid flan hell podcast from an urban nightmare known as arlington texas i'm matthew hodges joined as ever by my co 
ghost in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Killiams. <laughs> and that's, that's about as far as I wrote that bit out. So how's it going, Brendan? You know, it's been a delight to start watching horror movies as like a nice way to relax at the end of the day <laughs> sure. of watching the news. Uh, it's a really, it's a good pick me up. You know, it's just like you can just escape from the hell world into a fictional hell world right. that's not real. It's very cathartic. Isn't it crazy though? There, I mean, there is science coming out that is saying that, that it acts as a release to see these people be maimed and tortured on screen. And I gotta, I feel like it is like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna dig especially into it. now. We're gonna dig into it because uh, uh, audience, the people that you've heard in the studio there with Brendan are our old friends, Nick Glessman. Hello, Gless. Hello, boys and ghouls. <laughs> and also our old friend Andrew. Hey, Andrew. What's up? <laughs> I didn't have anything. The, the scary worst creepkeeper I've ever heard. Anyway, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Come over yes, here. Yes, no, we are. <laughs> we are. We are back in you know the most wonderful time in the time of the year for liquid flannel, which is uh, Spooktober. We got a, a whole lineup of cool kind of spooky things, spooky episodes that we're going to do, and tonight we're going to kick off with, um, like we did last year, just a nice discussion of some of these uh, some of these horror movie tropes. So we brought in uh, the two guys that we know uh, know horror movies the best. Uh, I would like to point Andrew. out that Glass is wearing a Halloween 3 Season of the Witch t-shirt. Oh, Did you yeah. buy that just for today? Dude, I also have Tar Man socks from Return to the Living Dead <laughs> on, so I actually bought it for tomorrow night, but I wore it tonight. Is that your other blue podcast? your load for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, does everybody have their uh, their costumes locked in at this point? You only have a few weeks, man. I'm just going as Michael Myers. I'm going to get a Michael Myers mask, and I've got a jumpsuit that I wore last year. Yeah, I'm open to suggestions. Has anybody I'm not doing it's it. going to be hot this year. Has anybody I'm not doing done it this the year. thing where they actually go on a killing spree dressed like Michael Myers around Halloween and see how long they could get away with doing it's it? Too, it's too cliched. No, yeah. but, like, it's the perfect... In real. It's the perfect disguise. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what they had to do. It. They were like, I should do this. And then they were like, nah, it's, oh, it's yeah. cheesy. That's just, that's just hack at this point. Yeah. It's been <laughs> Did done. It, in Halloween 4, don't they kill a guy that is wearing the Michael Myers mask? Yeah, that's Halloween they think it's too. That's yeah, Ben Tramer. Okay, whatever. Yeah, they arrest the kid. Yeah. That uh, Lori had a crush on. Then he gets killed. Deep lore. Deep lore. Yeah, I don't know. My my neighborhood, apparently. So, I mean, this is the first Halloween in my, in my new place. And... Uh, the neighbors I, have told me that it gets wild. Uh, awesome. They block off the street. Oh my know, god, that's in, amazing! That's house. Yeah. So that is awesome. I was uh, I was gonna say, I, and I know this is I have no proof behind this, but I've seen more Halloween decorations this year than any previous year. Every neighborhood that I go into, and including my own, it feels like this holiday is getting more and more popular. Yeah. Which it is feels like the purge is, is real. This <laughs> yeah. could be the pur- this could be the year. Well, that's the thing, you know. I, I've been I've been making notes to myself about Halloween lately, uh, you know, as we were preparing for this month and reflecting on how the the history, you know, and, and I think Andrew, you're the one who brought this up last year when we had you on about mm-hmm. how the history of the holiday is one of 
I mean, just absolute mayhem that like trick or treating actually started with like, please don't fucking key my car and set it on fire. Like, here's some muffins instead. I was going to I was actually going to mention that that in the last year, it's been largely disproved. (laughs) Oh, no, (laughs) that that was not real. You you spent a year researching it after you made this claim just to back it up. No, but there, there are still some towns that have records that say that they've they created trick or treating for that. Um, yeah. For that very reason, to stop kids from burning down houses. Well, I and mean, shit, one but. way or the other, I think it ought to come back. Whether it was a thing that happened in reality or just in our shared mythology, that needs to come back, right? I mean, we're our, the country is at a social breaking point, and when best to you know get some of that some of that bile out of the system, then during the celebration of like you know the death of the year. So Absolutely. you're you're coming out as pro purge? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're pro the purge? Yeah, uh, but only I mean only if we're going to purge, you know, the rich and the bourgeoisie. Oh yeah, we I'm down for that. We got to work on the we got to work on the hashtag. Man, they're the, the only the ones with thing. safe houses. We need uh, oh. leveling rules. <laughs> right. That's why you got to have insiders like you got to like do their security system and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first topic for tonight is to talk about some, uh, we want to talk about some specific horror cinema because this is a, a genre that's come up a couple of times uh, across, you know, last, last Spooktober and then uh, over the course of the year. Uh, but I got kind of thinking about um, Lovecraftian horror, right? And, and this isn't just like a non sequitur kind of thing. I feel like a lot of people feel like we're living in sort of a Lovecraftian sort of horrific world right now, right? There's these like these cosmic, almost incomprehensible horrors that are trying to ruin our lives. Um, so it, I don't know, climate change and all of the jokers in Washington and um, and I, the I'm, Italians. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to see some of these. Uh, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of Lovecraft going on in what we're seeing in the real world right now. Like, I don't know, MAGA hat, Dagon cultists, they they have more in common than they don't, folks. What is the essence of of the Lovecraftian? What is What does it mean to be Lovecraftian? Because yeah. I think there's kind of two angles to it's it. It's that primal kind of a fear that, that's inside of us and that fear of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think... Traditionally, it's kind of that, um, it's, you know, kind of, what, what, I mean, what was it, like the classical, you know, what is it, uh, Northeastern, or? Yeah, well, a little bit. Well, like, so New, mean, New England Lovecraftian horror. is, yeah. Very Puritan-based, very white. Um, yeah, it's very, very old, too, at least in the American sense. Yeah, very much based in it's the religions so- that came over from, like, the UK and other places that, I mean, mostly, like, English-speaking places that people came from. To me, it's it's uh, horror that you can't see. Something that's on a, another side, not on this plane of existence, um, that's just out of reach, but is there. That sort of a, that super, super liminal horror. Yeah. Where we're only seeing yeah. the effects of it, but we can't see the thing itself. It's like talking about something that exists in the fifth dimension. But I guess there's right. that kind of aspect of it, which almost borders on like a sci-fi kind of sense, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like the cosmic horror or like the interdimensional horror. But I feel like there's also an element of Lovecraft where it's like old timey. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, so, so, just to just to kick off the discussion with a, a specific example, I was thinking about it today, and I think that um, I, I'm sure people have written about this uh, some, but you don't see it brought up very often that the Hellraiser series is very Lovecraftian in that sense. That it's it's a bunch of like outer gods who exist in a completely different dimension, and they they don't actually care about us that much. Yeah. Um, it definitely is. Hellraiser is one of my favorite movies. Um, the, the original love, or the, the yes, series? The original. I mean, I like the series, but it, it, dude, oh man. Yeah. The last like seven or the first one. <laughs> <laughs> There's so really many. Bad. Um, but the, the first one, uh, what I love about it so much is this idea of hell where it can be pleasure or pain. And yes, you're right. You're right. They're uh, kind of aloof. They don't really. They don't necessarily care about the characters. They care about things, essentially. Yeah. They care about the main character because he stole from yeah. them, basically. And you can make deals with them. It's not like it's not a Christian mm-hmm. morality for sure. Where like yeah. you know, it's it's based on the sins that the person has committed. It's like this is a transactional sort of thing with these entities who they appear as gods to us, but really, like in their world, they're just like it's like well. Uh, guys stole the box. We gotta go get the fucking box back. You know, they're repo agents. They work for some larger agent, don't they? Yeah, I think that comes up in like like Hellraiser 3, maybe. There's like a Lovecraftian monster in the tunnel that she runs away from in the the first movie. Right, yeah. Oh, man, he has a name. I can't remember what it is, but... It's been forever since I've seen it. Um... Is the bureaucracy essential to the Lovecraftianism? Is that a- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, so The like, politics matter, for sure. <laughs> you work in public service the rest of your uh, existence. Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of funny, too, because um, one of the things that came up, this isn't a movie, um, but as I was kind of brainstorming, I was thinking about how the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe is very Lovecraftian, where, again, you've got, like, these outer gods, and they don't adhere to like a Christian morality, these like gods and demons, um, but they are highly bureaucratic. And it's actually that's that's played for laughs through a lot of um, partially Buffy, but mostly an angel where you find out about how these demons like all report to higher demons. And, you know, like there it, it ends up resembling this kind of like hilarious corporate structure. Um, the same way that you've got in, I don't know, like Good Omens or something like that, which is not right. Lovecraft. Demon Knife, crazy. too. Yeah. yeah well, totally. and I think my the perfect example is Cabin in the Woods, right? Where Cabin in the Woods is oh, the quintessential, like it's every horror movie at once, right. but it ultimately, you know, the real horror movie is the Lovecraftian oh, horror. Yeah. And there's this entire bureaucracy of like horror mm-hmm. generation to appease the extra dimensional, you know, well, it's cause- cleaner entities that demand the horror be produced. One of them makes a comment of like oh, how it used to be back in the old days, all you had to do was just throw somebody in a volcano and that was good. You didn't have to go <laughs> right. through all these like really, you know, int- integral scenarios where certain things have to happen or whatever. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny to see like how some of these things stick around and uh, we're going to dig into it in the second segment about like how horror reflects the time that it's written in. But some of these things to me feel a little bit more long lasting than ones that are very explicitly tied to H.P. Lovecraft. Like I was just watching, I was watching reanimator today, um, which is, is really good. And it's probably like one of the funniest horror movies I've ever seen. Uh, but it's also, uh, it's a bit dated 
you know, because it's like this very small town, like very isolated sort of thing. Um, whereas, you know, we, we talk about uh, any of these other ones that reflect like the broader nature of um, like bureaucracy and like the unfeeling forces of the universe. Uh, that feels current right now. I do think you're onto something. I think that uh, I feel like I'm hearing about Lovecraft or Lovecraftian influenced uh, works like all the time nowadays. Um, there's a book that just came out, Lovecraft Country, which is being turned into an HBO show. Um, one of my favorite horror movies of the last couple of years is called The Void, um, mm. which is straight up just a, a modern take on that mythology. Um but there's more and more like books, TV, movies. I, I see it constantly. I that it must be tapping into the conscious, you know, yeah, what we're feeling right well, now. Well, I've been thinking a lot yeah. about uh, like Franz Kafka recently and how, um, it, you know, particularly like the Metamorphosis and the Trial are also sort of Lovecraftian in the sense that like it's one individual who's pitted against this like completely unfeeling power structure that's so much stronger than he is that it eventually just drives him crazy, you know? Uh, and that's why like Kafka is becoming more and more relevant all the time. You know, similar to you, Andrew, I hear people bringing up like the trial all the time now because it's, you know, it's just people butting up against like this, this bureaucratic, this bureaucracy that just doesn't fucking care about them at all. That's the world we live in. Yeah. And I think, you know, one aspect of it that I am also interested in as well is like the the fact that like we in a lot of Lovecraftian things, it's like there's some precipitating event where it's like someone went where they shouldn't have gone. They, you know, they dug too deep or whatever, and they released this horror, you know, into our sure. into our realm without maybe necessarily realizing what they're doing. So, um, like, is Jurassic I, Park Lovecraftian in that sense? <laughs> I mean, I guess, no, right? Or Frankenstein. <laughs> but yeah. I think also the story, though, is usually not about that event. That's just, like, a cataclyst, right, to tell the real story of the mm -hmm. ramifications. And I think a perfect example of that is, like, The Mist, right? Where it's oh, like, just you're just living your life, movie. doing the normal thing, and then somebody somewhere, go. like, they messed up. But it's your problem yeah, now. Terrific. And I, I think that's another relatable aspect of the bureaucracy, right? Where it's like, it doesn't care about you, but also it could it could really mess you up without even meaning right. to. Yeah. Yeah, you, you had nothing to do with it, but some people were kind of fucking around and all of a sudden Well, I mean, and that's that's where you end up with uh, That's climate change essentially. Well, yeah, totally. And it's it's also where you end up with uh, cultural properties like Stranger Things, right? Stranger Things is pretty much explicitly Lovecraftian yeah, in the sense. I agree. Of, you know, that For sure. You've got these, these demons who live on that. They live in the upside down, which is like the alternate dimension. And they just want to take over. They just want to fucking, you know, take over your brain and turn you into a zombie person and turn you into like gross goo. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like so uh, uh, kind of on that. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Just like, just like life now. <laughs> 2019 America. Yeah, and the goo is capitalism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and, you know, Brendan, you mentioned that uh, you think that there's a big overlap between sort of traditional, I think what you meant uh, was something like gothic horror, right? You know, things taking place in haunted mansions and like sleepy towns and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah, like to me, like uh, an aspect of Lovecraft is like seafaring, and you know, like you sure, know, stuff very like coastal that. based. The yeah. the, yeah. Call, the void of the depths. Well, I mean, that's, like that's that. mostly because HPL himself never left his hometown, and that was all he knew about. You know, it would have been hilarious to like drag him out for a camping trip, like in the Ozarks or something, and see what he did with that. He'd probably go. Crazy. Oh, I think he would have shit himself. Just repeatedly, just off. He would have been that one scout that you have to send home who, like, stops drinking water because they just want their mom to come and pick them up. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been awful. That's probably why he is the way he is, because he did go through uh, Boy Scouts and had that happen. Yeah, sure. But but also, Brendan, okay, so you've got those uh, sort of stylistic, like, mise-en-scene elements of what's Lovecraftian. But then you mentioned that there's a big overlap with the science fiction, and I was wondering what you guys thought about the idea of the Alien series, and specifically just Alien 1 as a horror movie, being a Lovecraftian story instead of just, like, an alien story. Hmm. I think if you if you expand to include like the alien mythos, I think it kind of gets a little bit closer. I think to Prometheus, that. right, is one hundred percent fits everything that you guys have been saying. Well, and maybe you need to understand the first movie in the context of sure. the broader mythos. But sure, yeah, much like uh, I don't know the popular video game franchise Halo. It's all about like ancient races who like set things in motion right which really i mean in the original a- alien one was really not a part of that at all i mean uh, it was almost like they stumbled into that concept because on that one it was just like there's a fucked up alien on you yeah. like dude, nobody knows right. anything about it just showed up and it's gonna eat you yeah i guess i guess the thing that ties the the first movie even without that context um, into like a, a broader Lovecraft mythos for me is the elements of body horror, which is the thing that we haven't. Dug oh into yeah, a whole sure, lot. sure, sure. Yeah, you know, so, no, there's definitely so things, like, and there's the the theme of like, I mean, they're the space crew cannot control what they're doing because of um, again that bureaucracy that's behind them, and then they expanded in the second movie where there's it's like a hundred years later and you see the progress of time. And they, they're still, like, they can't the control anything. Still, like, they're, they're still holding yeah. things up. Like, it's not a military operation. It's a... Uh... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's cold, unthinking capitalism as compared to the Lovecraftian, like, cold, unthinking elder gods. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good analogy. And it that's is. where you kind of start to... You can start to break into which, like, what decade people were afraid of. So you can tell, like, up until a certain point, like, people were still afraid of that old world old god mythology that something is going to rise from the depths to kill them. Well, Gless, I'm so glad that you brought up uh, decadal mythology, because I think it's about time for us to take a break and then jump into an even broader conversation about exactly that thing, about how, you know, horror relates to the times in which it's written. So let's take a little break right there, and we'll come back for more spooky content. It's beginning to look a lot like fishmen Everywhere I go From the minute I got to town And started to look around I thought these ill-bred people's gill slits showed I'm beginning to hear a lot of fishmen Right outside my door 
As I try to escape in fright to the moonlit ends with night, I can hear some more. They speak with guttural croaks and to hear them provokes a profound desire to flee. Their eyes never blink and quite frankly they stink like a carcass washed up from the sea. I wish I'd paid attention to that crazy drunken man. He tried to warn me all about Old Marsh's Deep One Clan. It's beginning to look a lot like fishmen. Everywhere I go, they can dynamite Devil Reef. But that'll bring no relief Yohanifleh is deeper than they know I'll continue to see a lot of fishmen That I guarantee For the fishman I really fear Is the one who's in the mirror And he looks like me He looks just like me So the topic is decade by decade horror trends. And I guess that they don't necessarily line up with the decade, but it's just horror they, trends over time because horror do. So more broadly, I think what we want to talk about is the idea that horror reflects the time and place in which it is made. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. And and breaking it down by decades, or we're not gonna go decade by decade, I don't think, but you know, naming horror films and saying, like, they were made during the 1920s, they were made during the 1980s is going to give us a flavor of kind of the anxieties of that time. Yeah, some of the earliest horror movies, like Nosferatu, where yeah. it's like kind of the unknown, kind of like a horrifying freak, you know, of nature, but also like the exotic foreigner the undiscovered sure yeah i think this the starting point the og original horror right. film cabinet of dr caligari which is a couple years before that but created the look and feel of horror which is still true today uh, it was in black Godfrey. and white not as a thematic choice right, right. it was <laughs> i'm just saying the, uh so that that was gothic it was very romanticized it didn't take place in real life, just like Nosferatu, which everybody knows that that famous shot of the shadows, the hand. Which yeah, was sure, like, those long, milky fingers coming around the yeah, corner. Yeah, crazy over yeah. the side. I've been told yeah. I have Nosferatu fingers. Yeah. I don't really <laughs> see it. It's because of how you touch people. <laughs> you have creepy vampire creeping hands. <laughs> he might be the most amazing pianist, you know, we've the world's ever seen. He just needs to practice. If only he used his powers for good. <laughs> the older horror movies were also more inspired by like folklore and and you know things like that, like yeah. like Dracula. Yeah, because people were still afraid of well, that shit. They believed in it. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's folklore, and then as you get toward the 1910s, 1920s, you see a lot more of the sort of like xenophobic. Horror, which is like that's where H.B. Lovecraft came from. Every time he wrote a story, it was like you know he's he's basically substituting out like some eldritch horror for like an Italian right. guy. He really hated the Jews. But I think that's also like mm -hmm. of a time like back in that time like you could say like yeah there's just a it's a country full of vampires out there and people would be like that's actually believable right whereas right. Like, nowadays yeah. you'd be like that's stupid you have to make up stupid sci-fi don't go on the road tonight why there no one no, has ever sir. seen it before. I I watched a video the other day about how teenagers tend to tell horror stories or at least kind of traditionally, that all had to do with cars because that's a kind of thing that kills them, right, is being in a car. So that's where you get, like, the, the high beam story or the, like, boyfriend's 
feet dangling on top of the car and causing a scratching noise sort of story. Um, But there are plenty of horror stories and probably horror films that take place around automobiles in particular. Fuck yeah, Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) We made you! That's one of the worst movies of all time. Maximum I think he made one of the greatest movies. I thought time. so too, and I watched it as an adult and was like, "What the hell?" That's a Stephen King thing, right? <laughs> because Stephen yeah, King the only movie Stephen King directed because he was coked up the whole time. Didn't he do Christine also? Is that no, John that was a John Carpenter? Oh, okay, okay. Being coked yeah. up all the time is not disqualifying for making a good. He movie. He had no. He was. He was never on set. He was like. In the, in the trailer doing drugs instead of directing. Basically, somebody oh, else made the movie for him. <laughs> right. The next horror trend was, you know, things like The Wolfman. In the 40s, the pre-war days. Pre-World, right. or during World War II. So, like, the beast within sort of thing. Yeah, I think so. And I think also... Like, Absolutely. You know what? Yeah. That started way earlier in terms of when did Robert Louis Stevenson write... Uh, the Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? That was like... There's an Oscar-winning version of that movie that came out in the early 30s. Oh. Okay. That is what The Wolfman is, like a, a very American, updated version that anybody could look at. And, um... and even like every one of the universal monsters, I know we've talked about this, um, they each represent like almost a different sin of mankind. Oh, go on, Gless. That's super cool. Dracula is lust and sex and greed to a certain extent. <laughs> Uh, Frankenstein is sewing dead bodies together. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> a you traditional know, it's, it's sin. Well, the pride, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the yeah. sin of pride, pride. yeah. Sure. Okay, yeah. Wolfman is rage, wrath, Hulkosity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else? Yeah, Creature the, from the Black Lagoon just trying to mind his own business. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> that's not a sin. Well, the, the well, the creature <laughs> from the Black Lagoon. And, like, some of the earlier, like, Godzilla films were all coming out around the time that we were starting to understand the sins of environmental degradation. They're yeah, absolutely all products of the radioactive age. Right. Right. Uh, Godzilla der- Creature from the Black Lagoon is the link text. between those folk- folkloric right. uh, old-time monsters and then... Something that could actually happen to you, could, could affect you. Right. Humanity meddling where it shouldn't, um, nuclear bombs, um, and then that led to the, the craze with the giant bugs and uh, aliens coming to Earth and having to destroy it because we yeah, were the assholes. Day, the day the Earth stood still. So those all would have been sort of uh, like Cold War era sort of things where it's like, Mankind yes. has meddled with forces that it doesn't understand, and now they're coming back. You know, it's like the yeah, the, the right. awakening of environmental uh, consciousness or something like that. Yes. So, that is absolutely my favorite time period in horror. Yeah. I think, well, because like in the movie, when the day of the Earth stood still, he's trying to explain to everybody, like, yeah, now that you've, you know, realized nuclear power, you have two roads you can choose from, the one to save yourself for yeah. the one that's going to lead you to destruction. Yeah, you can get your shit together or we're going yeah. to exterminate you. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to like rewatching some of those like classic 50s like They're you know, monster movies and stuff with the new lens of being like this is actually about environmentalism or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, the nuclear bomb made the giant ants! The best one and oh, we yeah. were talking about it off air a little bit. Invasion of the Body Snatchers came out right then. Right. Uh, which is straight up just about the Red Scare. Right. Absolutely. And they gotta make that movie again right now because that shit is still fucking happening. Yeah. How did people did not they, learn this lesson? No, you're right. make some sort of 
like Nicole Kidman, uh, whatever. But uh, there's a, they did that one. That's already twelve years ago, and that is horrible. God. Yikes! But yeah, I mean, actually, I think, they're all pretty bad except for the first one. Yeah, the first two. The '70s one is classic, yeah. also. Yeah, I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is is definitely like a communist, you know, type of, of parallel. But it's also kind of like the the silent, you know, the sneaking, the conspiracy, yeah, you know, type. Sure. Yeah, it's McCarthyism. Sense. It's the perfect '50s. Well, movie. and at that same time, you had a couple of things that had come out that were uh, using those same tropes but being very subversive about them. So explicitly, I'm thinking of uh, again, not a movie but a TV show. But the Twilight ep- Twilight Zone episode, uh, the monsters are due on Maple Street, which is all about that same sort of like Cold War paranoia of your neighbor and not knowing who's yeah. trustworthy, you know. And then you also had, uh, and I- I'm not sure if people tend to qualify this as a horror film, but the original, the Stepford Wives. That counts as horror. Okay. Yeah. So the Stepford Wives is horror accepts all, <laughs> right? Yeah. All kinds. Well, horror loves everybody. I thought that was an aspirational fantasy. Because I, it's not like Snooty. I misunderstood the entire Because thing. The Separate Wives is is absolutely a horror movie to me, at least, because it's about the sort of uh, like roboticization of like post-war capitalist conformity. You no longer are you. You're just a, a shell of yourself. Right, just a cog in that machine. And that's actually my favorite type of horror movie is the loss of identity. People slowly re- realizing that they don't have a soul anymore, yeah. per se. Well, and to, you know, to bounce forward in time then, Gless, what did you think about the movie uh, Get Out? It's great. As we discussed before, it is essentially a remake of Stepford Wives. Um, but I mean, but with it, still... with an explicitly racial perspective on it, which I think exactly. is you know again that speaks to our thesis that like the the horror of the time reflects the anxieties of the time, right? So like right now, what we're talking about a lot is race stuff. We weren't doing that so much back in the whenever Stepford Wives came out, the nineteen sixties or whatever. Right? Uh, I think we were. <laughs> Not in uh, mass consumption sort of, like, pop okay. culture. Man, it's really hard to, de- to define what this era's it's specific tone or feel or whatever yeah. is. Well, we've, you know, we kind of skipped around a little bit, but I know, I know this era is back. hard to define, but let's talk about my favorite era <laughs> of horror movies, which is the early 2010s when it was, like, Haunted Facebook the movie. Unfriended. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna I was actually I was gonna bring this That's up. That's like, like three the, years ago. The, the pulse the ring, you know, stuff sure. like that. Okay. Like the horrors of technology. Like to me, that's one of like the most overt trends. Like a lot of these trends, they're almost more hard to nail down or more nebulous, but that like mid 2000s to like mid 2010s period, they were just fully just like technology's bad, y'all. Yeah. There were, Your phone's there were competing themes then because that's also the torture porn yeah. uh, time period. And that specifically was linked directly to the trauma of 9-11. Well, hold on, because I, I, I was going to say also that it, I can see the 9-11 connection, but also I think the torture porn thing has a lot to do with the rise of online pornography, right? That it was like people seeking out like more and more extreme shit all of a sudden yeah. that, was, that was available yeah. to them. I think that's part of it, but you can't deny that we had our government torturing people in the news Right. Um, every day. And like, like supporting it too. It's like, look what this ass we did to this Thank asshole. God we've moved on from that. That's never been horrific <laughs> to the American people though. I mean, we've been well, doing that shit. Subconsciously I don't, horrific. I think the people that go see horror movies 
they're more in touch with their empathetic side as opposed to your average chud who's like, ah, I hate Mexicans. Put that snake in a moat and shoot them till they bleed out. Well, but I guess, yeah, I mean, it is one of those things where when you have, when real life is so terrifying, and I think this kind of speaks to like the post 9-11, you know, type of thing, right? When you're so desensitized that you're like, oh yeah, I watched a bad horror movie and it was the news and it was hor- and it was horrifying. Oh yeah, like I remember. You have to kid. go to that next level to even feel anything. You know, it's what also I mean? it's also porn in another way because the American people were helpless, and that allowed them to live out this. I don't know what they wanted to do to something, some enemy that they don't understand or know who it is. That's or- why I you saw like a big spike in like post apocalyptic like. Survival, like Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, that's huge. a great point, Glass. Right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and then also um, The Walking Dead um, uh, came 28 out. Twenty eight days later, sure. Where you've got just one, you know, like strong individualistic character who's going to survive in this uh, like post apocalyptic wasteland. And most people see themselves as that strong character who's going to survive when they don't realize that it's actually going to be more like the road where Absolutely. you're going to get kidnapped by cannibals. It's a person fighting against hopelessness. That's what I think all of those movies at that time period um, are really about. Which And have we grown past that? I don't think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> that was my next question for you. The post-apocalypse? You. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of out of vogue. I was going to bring up to the point, though, like you said in the early like 2010s with like, haunted Facebook sites or whatever. <laughs> But you're gonna, I think you'll see a lot more like privacy related horror movies. Like yeah. you'll see a lot like a oh, cam yeah. on Netflix was surveillance. Awesome. Yeah. And the net. <laughs> yeah. Does that count as a horror well, movie? Also the I mean the rise of uh the rise of Black Mirror right. as a mm-hmm. you know, like a big cultural force, right? Because that's that's effectively what that show does is very much in the sense of uh, the same sense that the nineteen seventies science fiction authors did. Yeah. They'll take a piece of technology and spin it out 10, 20, 30 years or whatever, and then show us what dystopia we ended up with if we went down this path. My only problem with Black Mirror is that, well, it's a remake of... It's cheesy as fuck. And it's going to be dated within, like, maybe five years. Yeah. That's why I love those early 2000s horror movies about technology, because they're like, oh no, my my flip phone is haunted! (laughs) You know, it's so it's they're so they're quaint like, to go back and right watch direction. and be like, people they were scared went... of haunted Facebook. It's just Facebook, it can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, right. But it can. I mean like, that's what we know now. They were setting the foundation for it. <laughs> they just went about it in a very like old school way that yeah, is. It was ahead of its time. Yeah. They didn't realize how scary Facebook actually was. We've laughed at them, but they were right all along. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's literally a Twitter, like, joke format, right? It's like Black Mirror episode, like, what if Facebook, but Facebook has ghosts in it? Like, woo! You know? But the thing is, like... Isn't that where Slenderman came from? Yeah, every yeah. time, every time they fucking, uh, like, comment toward a congressional uh, subpoena or something... It's exactly that. It's like, oh, it turns out Facebook has a bunch of, like, fucking horrible, like, classist and racist ghosts in it. Well, you know, I, it's so funny that you mentioned Slenderman because I completely forgot about that. But I think that is actually a trend where, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if we're in the midst of it or if it's maybe hits peaked and already is going down. But I think it's gone. It's almost <laughs> like, well, but like, you guys familiar with SCP? 
Oh yeah, like, yeah, totally. Online, like like a uh, collaborative oh. storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. To secure, contain, like, and protect. Pasta oh, yeah. stories. It's almost its own horror genre now, which is like internet horror, right? It was Where it's they like, had a show? It's not movies necessarily, Channel, but Channel Zero. On oh god, yeah, my sci-fi. Fucking, it was, my nephew tells me about the video game based good. on SCP all the time. And you know who can forget? Hero Brian from Minecraft, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a legend for all time. Thinking about Cylinder Man, though, I mean, that's something that grew up purely on the internet. So while we may look at Slender Man and laugh at it, term, but it's just like all the tall tales and stuff we had yeah. when we were kids. I know it's just I guess that I'm, we got from somewhere. It's cool seeing like a new tall tale come about, even if it's not that good. But I mean, I think even at the time, like it's it's. As old crotchety men, it's easy for us to look back uh, at, like, the kids of today and be like, oh, yeah. haunted, haunted Minecraft, that's what scares you or whatever. But, like, Blair Witch came out, and that shit was huge, you know, yeah. when, we were, when we were in high school and stuff. And that was something where old people were like, this is what you think a horror movie yeah. is? Like, this is nothing. It's a terrific topic, and why don't we take a little break there, and we can come back in and talk about... We've kind of painted a picture now about how horror reflects the time in which it's created. Maybe we'll come back and instead of doing our high notes, because, uh, folks, this is Spooktober. We're not, yeah, man, we're no high notes in Spooktober. No high more notes. More like a six-foot undernote. Hey, I love it. All right, yeah, let's come back, and we'll talk about some, uh, some of these modern horrors. of the past and how horror is a reflection of its time and they say we're in a horror renaissance right now but (laughs) you know i guess to me it's not yeah i mean I, i don't know it seems like a lot of the horror trends that i see are like horror nostalgia almost so I think a lot of people are attracted to horror right now. It's obviously more popular than it's been in a really long time, just based on the number of movies and yeah. theaters. What's that Shutter streaming service? Shutter or streaming whatever, service. Which is like doing all the, the fact that Netflix, now. how many TV shows are horror related? Oh, and it looks now. great, and they're they're doing all sorts of documentaries also, like the yeah. uh, like horror noir or something about like the history of black people in horror cinema, which is amazing. There, all this stuff is so popular, but almost all of it, all the popular stuff. Is like '80s remakes. And it's also Stephen down King from the source adaptations. All this nostalgia, like they're afraid. There are no like current fears. Right. They're not attacking what's currently bothering people. Right. But again, I almost feel like that's a reflection of our time, right? Where it's like people again, because the news in its current form is is already horrifying enough. Mm-hmm. People don't necessarily want to go to a horror movie that's going to terrify them because they're already terrified 24-7. So they want to go to a horror movie that is escapism that makes them feel safe and comfortable, right? Where they're like, oh yeah, don't you remember, you know, that It movie? I read that when I was in high school or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. that was very popular. Yeah. Um, You know, they're remaking Child's Play, you know, with that kind of 80s nostalgia. There's, 
Exactly. Cash grab. Yeah. So to me, horror is supposed to be, and this is what we were talking about this whole episode. Horror is uh, a mirror reflecting back the ills of society or, or the things that we don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, Turns out man's the real monster. But right, no, I feel right like, now that mirror is broken. We're not right. doing that. We're just retelling the same stories that we've seen before. You know, I feel like Zombie Land 2 yeah. is, is holding up <laughs> yeah. a mirror to society. And that mirror says, you live in a society that has created Zombie Land 2. Agreed. I hope you're happy. And that's Agreed. the real God, horror. I would, it's, I would, if that's what Zombie Land 2 is, that probably might be. It's a form of meta horror yeah. where the horror movie itself isn't terrifying but just the fact that we've come to this you know we've reached mm-hmm. the end of our rope it, it is that is the horrifying aspect of it absolutely i think that's a reasonable point that like we are trying to retreat a lot to like stories that we know that aren't going to actually shock us but we do have and i, I was just uh jotting down some notes as you were talking andrew there are a few movies that have come out in the past say decade that I think do reflect real things that people are grappling with right now. Um, the first one... Pause really quick. Let me give this caveat. I know that there's hundreds of horror movies, especially like on Shudder, but there, there are things that don't get picked up by the mainstream, right? Um, so that's kind of what I am referring to specifically. That's fine, because I think that all three of these movies that I'm going to mention are more or mm-hmm. less in the in the mainstream, at least among horror fans. Um, and and I'll and I'll lead off with the movie Hereditary. Mm. So so okay. fantastic. Yeah, movie. and and Hereditary is what's so horrifying about it to people is not the like the weird payment like witchcraft devil worship shit. It's the mm-hmm. like the horror of having like a family tragedy happen and have your family completely fall apart around it. Yeah, you're a- absolutely right. I think that is a exception that proves the rule. I think there's one studio, A24, yeah, which A24, made that, right. and The Witch and Midsummer that mm-hmm. is kind of like we're gonna do whatever the hell we want. Not like I mean they're not yeah. they're not beholden to the Stephen King remake rule you right. know yeah did they do it follows or that was a different studio i know i think, it was a different I think it's so though. funny that you guys brought those up because the other two movies that i wrote down were it follows and the witch which i think i can defend from like a modern perspective one that i was seeing too which is also an a24 film is green room Oh, I love a, oh, sure, a literal sure. horror movie about sure. modern day like neo Nazis. Yeah. yeah, is that um, a horror movie? I thought it was more like I mean, a thriller or whatever. It's thrillers count. It thrillers kind of is. Okay. I mean, okay, that's fine. It's a movie about getting thriller, murdered by, a, a by Nazis for grown ups. Sure, I think you got to throw art house out because <laughs> art house is like. Art house is independent. We're most, just gonna like, low budget. Stuff. I know that's where you, that's where you get the really interesting, cool stuff now. But it's. And it is mainstream in that it's talked about by a lot of people, but those, they didn't make, you know, big numbers at box office. They're not like, I mean, if we go talk to 10 people on the street, maybe one has seen some of them. Before we uh, go on to other movies that everybody has seen already, um, what do you guys think about, you know, sort of the, 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 the hubbub about this new Joker film that's coming out? Because that seems like it might have a lot of the hallmarks of what we're yeah, talking about being a horror movie, you know, that that taps into that sort of, like, modern anxiety. It's a horror movie in the way that maybe Taxi Driver or The King of Comedy is a horror movie. Yeah, so, like, none of us have seen it right. yet, right? It comes out tonight. 
as of, as yeah, of this no, recording. No, we stayed home yeah. and podcasted yeah. instead of getting shot to death by an Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but again, that's like, it's almost like the horror has to be brought in from the outside. Like, so the was, horror is not in the movie. It's in the fact that this movie exists. I know. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? Yeah. Is it is a, you can tell from the preview, and I've heard this from reviewers that have actually seen it already, that it is a, it is a straight up remake of Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy, where it does seem like the Joker. The Joker is the Robert De Niro character, and Robert De Niro is now the Jerry Lewis character. Oh yeah, because I forgot De Niro was in it as yeah. the as the talk show guy. That now I haven't I haven't seen it, and I know it takes influences from some other Scorsese movies, but this is again nostalgia bomb. Yeah. To that point, like how many like fucking incels out there know about the King of Comedy? Taxi oh, driver more now, sure, but. King of Comedy no, is that's, definitely that's a- probably true. And so what I was going to say was it's probably, uh, you know, like equal parts uh, nostalgia and this sort of anxiety that everybody feels going to any kind of public place anymore. Right. Sure. Because you never know, like what rando is going to snap and decide to like pull out a fucking gun right. in the middle of a mall. And like all of a sudden your life is changed about that or, or has ended last week know? where, uh, at the Crescent Moon for Oktoberfest. Like, this is a prime area to shoot up if some nutjob had a fully automatic rifle right. come in. But it's like, yeah, again, in a world where there are mass shootings at movies, nobody wants to go see a movie that directly addresses the concept of I mass wonder, shootings. I it's wonder how that's going to affect the numbers tonight. And also, I mean, it, how disheartening is it that, like... I can't go see this movie because I might get shot. I also blame like, this on the media, too, for hyping it up so much because the 2012... For I sure, agree with you, Glass. ...with the uh, Joker... Uh, I can't even think oh, of Oh, the Dark Knight Returns or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Dark Knight Dark Returns. Knight Rise, <laughs> Shit, but, man. You know, we're in a world that's so fucked up, I literally cannot even put it past the fact that, like, that shit could be fucking viral marketing made-up bullshit. That they put that out there and they're like, it's the, oh, movie, for sure. the movie that's dangerous <laughs> right. to go see. Yeah, the, the studio is the one who's fronting the extra, like, $25,000 so have, like, a bunch of NYPD cops, like, yeah. stand at the... Yeah, sta- stand there in, like, Manhattan uh, right. theaters and, like, frisk people. Which and is stuff. almost, again, it's almost a throwback to, like, the 50s style. Oh, yeah, like, like, this, this is a movie so scary that we're you know, gonna give you a life insurance policy and a bar bag like you, you those are the fun promotions i want to come back to horror right yes have some guys oh god yeah what was that one that was such a that we we used that clip last year it was so good <laughs> oh like the the movie there was like some vincent price movie or whatever where it was like <laughs> right yeah it was like it, it's so oh, scary boy, like, we guarantee you need to t- <laughs> yes i want to go to a movie theater the like this movie is so scary that we have to give you a life insurance policy that <laughs> pays yeah. out if you die Dude, that was right uh, yeah william castle he did all of that shit he was uh bring that back that's fun he was hilarious he would go on tour with the movies and have like axe murders in the audience and yeah so to bring this back around um i, I know that it's set in the you know late 1600s or whatever but i think the witch also qualifies for early 1600s but yeah okay one of those movies that uh is is speaking to like current uh current anxieties right and ultimately the witch again ends up being a movie about a family that falls apart because of the like the glue that used to hold this family together glue doesn't unravel what the fuck does glue do whatever the knitting (laughs) that used to hold this family together is is coming unraveled at this point and i think that that is an excellent example of you know the the current anxieties 
I think it's also like it speaks to the type of person who buys into that because if they're so isolated from society that they refuse to go along with it. You can think of that film, you know, as being an, an analogy for, you know, okay, in the movie, there are a bunch of Puritans who are living like out on the edge of society. But well, they got kicked out of their commune because they got they got kicked out of it. Yeah. So effectively, what it is, is a movie about like a QAnoner who like gets cut off from his <laughs> social media like yeah. group and just gets crazier and crazier. Yeah. I mean, it's all about until, pride. And, like, yeah, the, yeah, until until he thinks that like his daughter is working for the deep state and then he gets killed <laughs> by a goat. I mean, that's mostly stuff that happened after that movie was filmed, but I think that's a that is a really fine critique of that film. I think that yeah, I love that actually. I think that the Salem witch yeah, trials were the original uh, cancel culture. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, cancel culture taken too far. I feel like I feel bad for horror movie makers because you know coming up in the next in the next year or so, your horror movie is going to have to compete against the twenty twenty election. Why just make it three? And that's yeah. <laughs> well, they are making The Shining 2, yeah. starring Ian McGregor, so yeah. what the fuck? they're definitely happening. I'm but actually kind of open to the well, idea. Well, I mean, that's only because Stephen King wrote a fucking sequel to The Shining uh, like, a couple Sleep. years ago or whatever, Doctor Sleep. So they, they said, okay, yeah, of course we're going to make that shit. Um, they're readapting every Stephen King, anything Stephen King's done that somebody has the rights, they're yeah. doing it. He's so. probably going to write another another book, you know, just in time he for the 2020 election. Because they already picked up his last like three or four books. Remember when he retired like ten years ago? Yeah. <laughs> so to tie these different themes together, um, I wanted to talk just briefly about the movie They Live. Sure, personal favorite because they live. They live absolutely existed within the time that it was made and when you go back and watch that movie which is about a guy who discovers that there is a uh, like a cabal of societal elites that are working on destroying the entire planet and enslaving all of humanity or exterminating them uh it's aged really Absolutely. well john carpenter made it because he was mad about reaganomics <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's, it's in a 100% because right. it was about pushing the poor out. God. And then punishing the poor for being, for having the audacity of being poor. It is funny because if you look at that movie now, you could see so many parallels to like the concept of being like red pilled, right? Where you're like, you're waking up, you're awakened oh, yeah. to sure. the horrors and the machinations around you that no, no one no, else Brendan, can see. You know, being pretty uh, entrenched in the fucking manosphere as I am, people do that all the time. They make memes about like, you know, then I put on the glasses and I saw feminism for what it <laughs> yeah. really was. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no. They turned the red pill about two trans women and the red pill was a uh, hormone, if I'm correct, the uh, hormone replacements. Ah. Yeah, that's that's an interpretation of the Matrix for sure, but yeah. I hear what you're saying, and you know, they live, yes, I, I think that it is a broad enough sort of uh, metaphor that a lot of, like, shitty people might be able to use that as their metaphor. Definitely. But, I mean, just textually, it's used as all of the people who are in charge of society are propagandizing you to consume, stay asleep, yeah work all the time 
you know, Obey. and that message, that message has not changed. I think they live and, and it's a very Lovecraftian sort of story in that sense. Yeah. Right. You know, these like outside entities who are just trying to manipulate your consciousness. And I'm not sure that it's less relevant now than it was when it came out in the early 80s, late, late 70s, uh, 1987. Okay. Oh, no, late 80s. All right. That movie just gets more and more real. Especially Ugh. the uh, alley uh, fight scene. <laughs> Keith <God>. David. <laughs> which, yeah, which, which everybody wants the that. Like, like, like every man wants that, right? Like, wouldn't it be so great? You get into a uh, an argument with, like, your shitty uncle or dad or, like, some dipshit at a bar or something about, like, whose politics are best and, like, you know what I'd really like to do and I can't do it because it's outside of society, is just go out in the back alley and just beat the fucking shit out of you until you come around to my point of view. For 13 nonstop you know, minutes. That, it, choreographed. It speaks to a, a crisis of masculinity, right? I mean, which which was obviously going on at that time, or they wouldn't have made the, the fight scene be so long. Well, yeah, he cast a wrestler. Well, right, and I think... To kind of bring this as a normal guy <laughs> full circle, I was trying to look up like what are some upcoming you know horror movies that that maybe we can say like hey, you know how is this going to fit into the trend? And most just go to straight to streaming now because that's yeah. where the market is for weird stuff. But this popped up and I I, I had forgotten Doctor Strange two subtitled <laughs> The Multiverse of Madness. That's right, which is definitely like a Lovecraftian. Inspired yeah. title. Yeah, Doctor Strange sure. himself, pretty much yeah. the Lovecraft uh, figure. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm interested to see what they do because they also did say that this was going to be it's a horror esque film. Like yeah, it's obviously sure. going to be rated PG thirteen, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be like a real yeah. gory yeah. horror film or whatever. But I do like the idea of them playing in that horror wheelhouse in the in the Marvel universe. So. It's interesting to see. Me too. I'd like to see him just like go crazy and just like fuck with everybody. That's going to be coming up. I don't know. Is there anything else you guys are really looking forward to the remake of The Grudge? They're already <laughs> remaking. A remake of a remake? They're already remaking remakes of a film from 2004 that was itself a remake of a yep. Japanese, Japanese horror, horror film. Really just, just watching the uh, like Twitter feed for upcoming horror films and how they're remaking everything is the mm. real horror film. Exactly. Oh, Somebody should make a movie so, about how horrible it is to wait. As a horror nerd, all you have is just remakes. <laughs> I've seen this story! Why? <laughs> I always joke as a horror nerd that um, if a horror movie is coming out in theaters then you know it sucks and uh, <laughs> the stuff that the Back stuff, that, horror is the the stuff that goes like shutter's been really good about getting like real good horror movies um they have a bunch this month that came out like tigers yeah. are not afraid and uh one other big one cut of the dead from uh philippines or something like that yeah see that's how i know those are good horror movies i ain't even ever heard of that shit i know picking up syringes of horror movies from a dude in a trench coat who somehow has no eyes like behind his you know like local uh, convenience store and you know there there is one way better high than getting aspirin from a pharmacy The, the, the movie that i'm the most excited for this year for the rest of the year is the lighthouse from uh i am really excited is it robert 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 Robert
whoever the guy that directed The Witch. It's his second movie okay. ever. Um, it looks amazing. That does look actually kind of kind of interesting. Dude, Black Robert Pattinson yeah. and uh, Willem Dafoe. And Fucking that yes, that is again going back to earlier. It's that's that A twenty four studio is the only one that can release these weird ass horror movies that are not for anyone. They're for like like six people will be there opening day, but. Right. All right, that's it, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning into our uh, first of our Spooktober episodes. We've got tons we of all. fun stuff coming up for you, including uh, next week we'll be with uh, the Horror Vanguard dudes, including a uh, returning friend of the show, uh, the Lit Crit guy. And then we're going to close out the month with a return to Stole Kansas, a uh, oh, D&D yeah. sort of playthrough. So, that was fun. Yeah, make sure that you tune in for that. Uh, Nick Glessman is on Twitter at Squirrel Fodder. Andrew, we're not going to dox yeah, you, so no, thank you for have. being on the show. <laughs> Brendan Williams is on Twitter at Brendan Williams with one L. I'm on. I'm Matthew. I'm on Twitter at Matt the Goit with the W, and you can follow the show for more of that Spooktober content at Liquid underscore Flannel. Thank you, everybody, for uh, getting all spooked out with us tonight, and. We'll have more spooky content for you as we go along. Thanks, guys.